You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast on basketball and other shenanigans. Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo of Lion Center. Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> we don't got that clutch connection. And Julio Martinez. On uh, Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap. It comes from at underscore underscore uh, KLU2 on Twitter. Bro, the fact that you knew there were two underscores before the to at underscore underscore KLU. He knows your that, Twitter. That means I'm tweeting it too much. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball. Welcome to Hoop and Holler. I'm your host, Eddie Sun, joined by, as always, Julio Martinez and Reagan Griffin. For those of you who listened to last or Tuesday's episode, you might have noticed that we've come out with a new shortened intro, and we hope you like that. Um, on this episode, we'll talk about some coaching hires and some hypothetical trades and a schedule announcement. Um, but first, let's start with the announcement by the New Orleans Pelicans that they've hired Stan Van Gundy to coach their young squad and replace Alvin Gentry um, going forward. What, what do you guys think of the hire? Yeah, I mean, I, I have mixed feelings about the hire. Um, obviously, he did a very poor job in Detroit, and maybe it's a product uh, of the coaching. Maybe it's a product of the players you know he had on the team. But then again, he had, uh, he had sole control over basketball operations. And that's where I feel like coaches get in trouble a lot. Uh, that's where Doc got in trouble. When you have way too too much on your plate, um, so maybe getting back in his coaching in his coaching role solely that will you know benefit him and benefit the team with ha- you know having David Griffin at the helm. Um, but I-, I think it'll be interesting because I can see some comparisons with you know Dwight and, and Zion, not so much in style of play, but you know they're not really perimeter shooter scores. Or anything of the sort, but they're just bullies down low. That you know, if you can put some pieces around them, like JJ Redick, which you know he's on the Pelicans now and he was on the Magic then. Um, pieces like that, and maybe another player that I can draw a comparison to, like Hidu Turkulu. Um, <laughs> A lot of people don't remember him, but bro could score the ball, kind of. And, you know, obviously I think Brandon Ingram is better than him. But I see some comparisons between the two teams. And I feel like getting a coach like Stan Van Gundy, who's known to be harder on his players, but I think he's learned from his past to maybe be, especially with this team that's a younger team, to be softer on them and more easygoing. I feel like it'll be a good matchup. But, um, you know, obviously he's been out of the game and his last stint wasn't, you know, successful so we'll we'll see see. I I think the fact that he's left the game uh, gives him a little bit of an advantage I mean we think about guys like I mean even Frank Vogel this past season sometimes it takes a little bit of of a year off get some perspective um, for Van Gundy it was getting in the booth a little bit I'm not sure how much he was learning but I I know these coaches right sometimes it takes a you know taking a step back and not being in it to really observe what direction the games are going and then try to innovate and, and you know get on get with the same program um so i think the fact that he takes some time off and he comes back in with a new and fresh perspective um he's not as you know i'm sure stressed as he was when he was coaching the pistons you can you come in a little bit more fresh so i think that's going to be an advantage i I still have my questions about whether this is a better alternative than alvin gentry um 
and that that's my biggest hang up here. It's not an indictment on Van Gundy. Um, I just have a you know a pretty decent respect for what Alvin Gentry was at least trying to do. I think he could have done better had he had a full Zion at his disposal, and I'd hate for it to be a situation where the next guy comes in and does have Zion at his disposal, and now he looks a lot better than the last guy, even though that might not have been the case. So um, I don't. I'm not sure. I don't think that Van Gundy is that much better, if at, if at all, than Alvin Gentry. But that remains to be seen. I think it's funny that Van Gundy did TV for about a year. And he mm-hmm. got himself a new coaching job mm-hmm. and a blue check on Twitter, um, <laughs> you know, priorities. But it's kind of funny because Van Gundy has kind of hinged his coaching philosophy on playing like that four out one in exactly. ball that he was playing in 2009, right, with the Magic. Exactly. And it was really innovative back then yes. when they were playing Twin Towers. But now, I mean, teams are playing five out, right? And if they think that they can run like four out and Zion you know, as an interior presence. I mean, I guess, but I just don't know what else he has to offer. Um, but it was, it, it's funny because it, it was like a hire that was pretty out of left field, mm-hmm. right? So I'm not sure what exactly was the thought process. Maybe David Griffin really likes Stan Van Gundy, and I think David Griffin is really good at what he does. Well, it's also another thing. Uh, I don't know if you you guys saw the podcast episode with uh, uh, All the Smoke with J.J. Reddick. Mm-hmm. Um, JJ Redick and, and Matt Barnes swear by Stan Van Gundy, mm-hmm. and Stan Van Gundy's not one of those like player coaches that you know I'm gonna be cool oh, yeah. with Definitely. guys like Stephen Jackson and Matt Barnes and you know guys like that. But the fact that Matt Barnes is you know willing to call him a basketball junkie and he's the best coach that he ever had, I mean that that's that kind of speaks volumes to me. And the fact that you know they they're willing to do that. Um, you know, you guys mentioned the four out and one in. I'm not sure if he's going to come in, you know, trying to recreate the same recipe that he did last time we saw him. He seems like the type of dude to at least come in. And that's probably why David Griffin likes him, um, almost like Steve Kerr, the Mark Jackson thing. Steve Kerr in that situation came in with something completely different, completely new. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Van Gundy comes in with something that he we haven't seen him do before, possibly never seen before in the NBA, just because that year off, sometimes you're looking and you discover something that's a bit more interesting. Um, and innovative so again I'm not sure but maybe sometimes you just need a fresh face um, and a fresh perspective to get the most out of the team it just felt like the Pelicans had a really young team with a lot of exciting pieces and it would have been interesting to see if they brought in one of these like young offensive minds Mm. you know from one of like the assistant coaching staffs around the league and have them infuse like some sort of creativity or like new philosophy Um, but I mean that being said I'm not sure if if Stan Van Gundy, like, or whoever they hired, would have mattered that much. Like, this is, you know, a talent. I think it all hinges on Zion. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. But um, let's go on to another hiring by another team. This one also out of left field. The second hire out of left field, um, Amari Stoudemire joining Steve Nash's coaching staff out in Brooklyn, his former pick-and-roll partner, now his sidekick on the bench. Um, Obviously... Brooklyn's trying to do something that no other team is doing in the league right now, and that is to compile a coaching staff that's more Players. more or less like player friends than coaches. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. What do you think he even brings to the team? I, I think maybe one thing, one interesting thing he might bring to the team is a benefit to uh, Jared Allen mm. and his development. I, I can see that. Um, but really, other than that, it's like... He's going to turn him into a top 10 center? <laughs> Reagan, bro. Reagan, get yeah. back into it, bro. You know, but, yeah, I mean, ah, uh, and, and you know, 
Again, I've said this before. As much as I want to root for the Brooklyn Nets, I love Kyrie, I love KD, I love Steve Nash. It's just like a weird recipe of, of you know, you have all these good ingredients in a soup, but you don't know if they all go good together and, and if it's going to taste good. I know Reagan wouldn't like it because he doesn't really try stuff. Bro, I tried but, something today. <laughs> Y'all the one who didn't want to eat but, the jalapeno. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It, the only interesting piece that I, I can maybe see a benefit in is Jared Allen, but that's about it. It's it's interesting because, remember, Steve Nash actually tried to hire Dirk Nowinski, but I guess Dirk didn't want to be part of it at this point in time. Um, but then he goes and gets another guy that he played with in Amari Stoudemire. Uh, so I almost wonder if he is attempting to implement certain elements of what he did throughout his playing career with the Phoenix Suns and uh, with the Dallas Mavericks and try to implement some semblance of that into the, the Brooklyn Nets. Either that or he just hires people that he likes is like going to be cool with. So it's either going to be one or the other. He's either going to take stuff that he did during his playing career and try to implement that in some form or fashion with the Brooklyn Nets, or he's just there for a good time and we're, we're going to have all be buddy-buddy here, which could work. You know, I mean, we're, we're, let's not mistake the fact that these are some of the best hoopers out there talking about Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. We all know how talented this Nets team's. Maybe they just don't need a coach, and maybe they just need somebody that can set the vibes, make sure the vibes are right what if, <laughs> so everybody can hoop. What if Steve Nash just wants to, like, create his own, like, little rec league team? You know, like, go get Amari, go get, I don't know, Sean Marion, uh, Joe Johnson. To like play against the team currently? Like, like may- maybe Steve Nash <laughs> just wants to hoop. Like, you know, he gets paid to be a coach. Like, why not hoop against Kyrie and Katie while, while they're at it? Man. Yeah, I, I don't know. But, I, I mean, hey, the, the talent on that roster, like Reagan spoke to it, uh, it's just insane. It might just work. Uh, but it's it, kind of funny. I, I don't know if it, it would be a product of coaching. Didn't ESPN's, like, very early power Oh, that's so stupid. Have them outside it's so the top stupid. 10 next year? They, they were 10. They were yeah, 10. Yeah, they were right. 10. It's one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen. How are you going to have the Bucks at 3 and Brooklyn at 10? I mean... based Is this somebody's, like, idea? Or did they just no, no, no. It, it, was, it, was, it was, like, someone's rankings, I think. I think it was, like, NBA writers and stuff. Something or, like, like ESPN that, yeah. writers. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, like uh, uh, the 76ers were ahead of them. A bunch of teams were ahead of them. It's so embarrassing. Do you think that could have been a product of some haterade that some of these dudes are sipping on? Because I'll tell you this. Not a lot of people are down with the whole player empowerment thing. And, and this is like the epitome of what player empowerment is. When we have two guys who basically, um, you know, yeah, it, it willed their way to a place. They picked the spot. They picked the people that they had around them. Um, now they're picking the coach. And the coach is picking players. Like this is a player's product this is going to be exclusively from nba players and it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out but you know to not have them ranked in the top 10 i wonder if that's you know some people kind of sipping on some haterade they're not one, not you know yeah. i don't really know it. if it's hate or if it's just like the the mix of kind of doubt that one Kyrie and katie coming off like injuries especially katie you don't katie. know like you know how will he return and then i think it's not like it, it, you can't really knock people for wondering what exactly they're trying to do with that coaching staff. And you know, like, what kind of um, reputations Kyrie and KD have had around the league beforehand, right? And it's like you combine, you know, those very, like, dominant fi- figures, right, along with, like, a coaching staff that doesn't have a lot of experience and seems like that they're uh, not really there to kind of put a stamp on things, right? They're trying to just be player friends. And... 
I don't know if it's exactly they hate that, you know, players are like, you know, uh, exerting their power, but more so like they don't know if this works. If but, this is a recipe. Yeah, but I mean, maybe we're seeing a revolution or an evolution of, you know, coaching and, and what it means to NBA players and how much it carries weight that your coach, uh, you know, went through what you went through as a player at the highest of levels. And, and I, I can tell you from, you know, from experience, when guys are telling you stuff sometimes, when coaches are telling you, th- you know, things sometimes and advice, it's like, are you really giving me advice? Did you play in college? Did you even play in high school? <laughs> it, it's, it, you know, some sometimes that can get a little heated and you don't know if you want to take that advice and, you know, telling you things that you don't want to do, what you're not comfortable with. Maybe this is what Katie and Kyrie need. So mm-hmm. I think people should be more patient. And if they're willing to bank on all, all these other teams, like let's say the Clippers that, you know, were super high profile, they're super talented. I mean, the Nets are the same thing. Nets are the same thing. The, the question that's going to have to be or we're going to have answered is, you know, I, I think personally, I agree with the fact that a, a player's perspective should be the dominant perspective in the room, considering that they can see what's going on on the court and that they've been there and done that and lived it. I wonder if it can be the only perspective, because sometimes you do need people that look at it from a different point of view um, and that have been somewhere else. You know what I mean? Because, you know, if I just wonder, I wonder. And that's a question that we're going to have answered because of the Brooklyn Nets, you know, you have all the talent in the world mm-hmm. to go make something happen. Yeah. Um, if there is a downfall, I'm going to chalk it up to the fact that they didn't have another perspective outside of just players. But um, it's going to be interesting. I don't really have uh, feelings towards whether it's going to work or not. I'm just, like, interested in seeing how it functions once yeah. it actually comes to fruition. I, I just think the most interesting thing with the Nets is, is you know, Right now, Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, fired his agency, Mm -hmm. which was Rock Nation, which obviously represents Kyrie and KD. And for him to kind of be, you know, separate himself from that, from where his teammates are, it might tell me something a little bit. I don't know if it's just me or if I'm reading too much into it, but whenever he does interviews, like he says all the right things, but he comes off as like... I don't want to deal with Kyrie anymore, and I'm so annoyed by him. And he always says, you know, we obviously have our two guys and Katie and Kyrie, and those guys are going to run the show, and, you know, I'm just going to pass the ball. And, like, he always says it with some kind of, like, a tone (laughs) where it's like he doesn't want to be there. So, hey, come to L.A., bro. Psychoanalysis from Julio Martinez again. That's a, the funny part is like Dinwiddie is never gun shy to say things, and I mean he's such a smart dude that maybe just the way he articulates himself, it's like it's not what you would expect from someone who's a, like player, a, a yeah. role player, right? Yeah. But I think that's a good point. You talk about like Kyrie and Katie are, are two players that you know they probably feel like you know they're at the top of you know the game. They're, they're the best players in the world. That you know it's like an ethos thing, right? Like why do you have some dudes who peaked in college, right? Like basketball wise, maybe, you know, telling you how to play the game. And, you know, you bring in the guys who played the game at the highest level, like Steve Nash and Amari, and maybe they can learn something from them, or at least they trust them more mm-hmm. to gain something. Which I don't I don't I don't know if that's a you know good kind of mindset to have, right? Like I don't think um, playing basketball at the highest level necessarily translates to like coaching or teaching or managing or, or, you know, like, I mean, we see with like Michael Jordan being an owner, right? Like these things don't always work one-to-one, but I don't know. It'll be an interesting experiment for sure. Um, moving on to a proposed deal that's been thrown around out in the Twitter verse and in the NBA media verse. Um, 
a hypothetical deal between the Warriors and the Wizards to trade Bradley Beal for, I think it's Andrew Wiggins and the Warriors' number two pick this year, along with their Minnesota pick, uh, first rounder next year, and I think some a future pick as well. Um, I know this is something that Julio you brought up because you thought it was really interesting. Man, Julio, man, you have so, the biggest obsession with Bradley Beal getting I traded. Do, I do, <laughs> no, I do, because he's never... wasting his career in Washington. He's literally wasting his career in Wa- Like at, at least Damian Lillard in Portland is somehow sometimes relevant. You, you know, making it to the conference finals, but Bradley Beal is just wasting his years. But anyway, everybody is so bullish on the Warriors as constructed right now. Every other anal or analyst that I hear on TV talking says that the Warriors will be the biggest you know obstacle for the Lakers next season or or the biggest challenger for them. And I just don't see it in this version of the Warriors team. Maybe with a KD, you know that obviously be so. But without KD, Clay coming off of off an injury, Draymond not performing as well as. You know, the old Draymond and them not having a solid bench to me, it gives me like cause for pause. Obviously, you know, Steph and Clay are dangerous, but I don't I don't know if that's enough. Now, if you trade for Bradley Beal, oh man, pe- people are gonna be in trouble. People are gonna be in trouble. And I I know Eddie spoke to, you know, how maybe that's not the ideal lineup that the you know Steve Kerr and the Warriors like to play, but man, would that be it, it it would be electrifying every night on the offensive end for me. Can 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 I point out the elephant in the room? Why why the fuck would Bob Myers do this? Why would you Bob wouldn't My- do it? Bob Myers. I mean shit. The Wizards. Excuse me. Why would why would the Wizards do this? Why You're would you accept me Andrew Wiggins? Two top two picks for two years in a row. That's pretty good. That's not a top two pick though. The the Timberwolves. I think you know well, whether this- or not they trade their pick. Um, I think that they're going to be better the next season than they were last season. You have a, you have the addition of D'Lo. You have solid pieces that are going to keep coming up, like Josh Akogi, um, Carl Anthony Towns. You have a new coach, like the you think that he's going to be able to use Carl Anthony Towns correctly. Um, I I don't think that that's going to be uh, you know it might be a lottery pick, but if that it's a late lottery pick, that's not worth it to me. I don't want Wiggins' contract. I don't want Wiggins. Why would I do that? Okay, but when you have Bradley Beal, you're like not you're not middle of the road, but you're like in the middle of the middle and the bottom, which is like the worst place to be in the NBA. Mm. So you're just wasting his years away. So you're I'm, doing it for Bradley Beal. I'm sorry, Bradley. But I'm I mean, you. if you're for sure getting those top two, like two top two picks, I mean, would the Wizards get something better? Is the question. Well, let's take a ride on down to Memphis. We we could we could come up with something better than that for the Wizards. You would need to trade uh, Brandon Clark. Sure. Actually, <laughs> weren't you saying no? Just I was saying no, but <laughs> Brandon, you know, now, now I know you, that there's other offers on the table. You'd so have, I'm to have to trade Brandon Clark. Okay. Uh, who's a shooting guard? What's his name? Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks. Goodbye. You're not doing it anymore. No, I'm saying goodbye. Oh, Dylan. oh, right. oh. And uh, your two future first. Uh, round picks. I bet you that. Like, all that. Like that. I'm fine with that. I love Dylan and I love Brandon Clark, but for Bradley Beal? I mean, I bet sure. they I bet they would ask for You'd probably Jaren, get more. But they're not getting Jaron. Come on now. Because I mean like if you if you're comparing like Brandon Clark and Dylan I mean who Brooks. holds who do you think holds more value? Um Brandon Clark or Andrew Wiggins? Andrew Wiggins. I mean it's definitely it, Brandon Clark. No, no, no. It's probably just contract wise because Wiggins is on a bad deal, but I mean those picks 
like far outweigh guys who will be role players at their best. Man, that's interesting. I don't know. Those, I just those don't think the Wizards are, would shoot. They, they'd be dumb to accept that deal if it were me. I mean, I you, 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 can get you, you can get something from the Nets like like uh, Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jarrett Allen. That's already better, if you ask me. That's already better than the offer that you're... But then again, you know what those three... And as much as I love Dinwiddie and LeVert, and Allen for that matter, the you know what those three guys are. Already, they're role players. I think Levert has another step to take. I think, but like, that's besides I mean, the point. I obviously love Minnesota, but just considering how stacked the West is next year, I'm not convinced that they're not going to be closer to being 15th. They're the always going to be garbage. They're going to be garbage. Wow. And I know, like, I, maybe I think too simply on that, but they're they're stop. Yeah. But I mean, again, that pick gives you the chance to land like Cade Cunningham or Jalen Green, and that and that's oh, that, that's the no. value. I feel like this is wishful thinking on both of your parts here. I feel like you really just want Bradley Beal out of Washington, and you really want Bradley Beal in, in Golden State. Let me <laughs> well, be the realist you, here, no, man. There's just no be, way that they would. Accept if you that. want me to be honest about Bradley Beal, I don't think Washington is going to deal him. They've said that they don't want to deal him. That he's not going anywhere. That they think they can contend next year, and. Personally, like, I want to see it happen. I want to see what John Wall looks like, and I want to see what he looks like with Beal and with Bertans there, you know, the killer bees or whatever. <laughs> um, I think that they're not going to be a championship contender, but maybe they can be an, you know, exciting team. I mean, they were like a top five offense this year with a bunch of nobodies. So who knows, like, who knows what all those pieces can do. But in terms of, like, some people are saying, oh, why would the Warriors trade for Bradley Beal? Like, that's not a perfect oh fit. Oh, my like, God. Like, sure, like, maybe it's not a perfect fit. And I think that's why Steve Kerr and Bob Myers don't want to trade for another guard. Like, if they really liked a three-guard fit, that they then they would have kept D'Lo. They wouldn't have traded away when he did. But then maybe you have the, you know, the forward-thinking mindset of, I'm getting this number one pick. That might be alluring enough to get, like, maybe not top-tier you know, superstar talent, but a star like Bradley Beal. I mean, I, Bradley Beal is better than uh, D'Angelo. Oh yeah, Russell. I think I think yeah. Bradley Beal on this Warriors team, um, and they, they'd still have room to add like a couple more pieces. Um, that would make them the best team in the league if you have Steph, Beal, and Clay oh. and Draymond. Oh, oh, the, this is the question I wanted to pose. Uh, w- would that make them the favorites in the West? I That's so. so dangerous. I mean, I don't think any offense is coming close to matching up with Steph and Beal and Clay. Ooh, it'd be so dangerous. It's it'd gonna, be, it'd be so dangerous. It's gonna, it'd be interesting, and it's really all contingent upon it, what Draymond does and what what he is, because he was crucial to what they did before. Yeah. If he can't be that dude anymore, then I'm yeah. not so sure. I would say they're the favorite, but they're definitely still up to, there, regardless yeah. of whether or not Draymond. To, to me, it's two things: whether a Draymond comes back like his normal self or 2016 self not like last year he, where he was a triple single <laughs> but uh and it's contingent upon if the Lakers get you know a reliable or that third star like Chris Paul because if they do then you know uh, my side is with, with the Lakers but if they don't and the Warriors pull this off I'm willing to say yes and obviously if they, f- they fill out the roster with you know solid veterans guys who can play and you know they still have Ke- uh, Kevon Looney who I think a lot of people forget about him but he, he's, he's really good he's really good I think people aren't realizing that offensively around the league there's not a lot of great offensive teams um, I can think of like Dallas as one of them as like purely offensively like and really even good. then their ceiling is you know where it's at too 
I mean, it depends on, of course, if Luka shoots better and they're more yeah. efficient. But, I mean, the Clippers and the Lakers kind of hinge themselves on defense. So do the Bucks. Um, the Celtics, like, again, they don't really have, like, someone who just catalyzes their offense. Um, th- there's just not a lot of teams that have, like, powerhouse offenses. And we didn't see that last season. And that's where I think the Warriors, regardless of who they get, and I think they're going to get someone, um, it'll just be interesting to defend because... Um, again, not a lot of teams had to face a guy like Steph who, you know, like does a lot of things for, you know, offenses uh, for the Golden State offense. So I don't know. That'll be interesting. But the funny part about this whole Bradley Beal hypothetical is that it's just that it was just a hypothetical. There wasn't really any credence to it. Um, Washington has really stood firm on that. They're not going to deal him. So it's like it's never going to happen. But I guess it's a it's a good thought exercise. And this comes from a Lakers fan. I want it to happen just, just to add more juice to the league. Man, just want to see more parity. Talk about adding juice. Do we want to get into Paul George? Do we have enough time for that? Um, well, we should talk about the proposed schedule first. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, that Shams, I think, reported that the NBA wants to start next season around Christmas time. December 22nd is what they came to. And I think this was really surprising for me because I thought they were going to aim for March when they can get fans maybe back in the stands, like depending on like a vaccine rollout and all of that. But it seems like they want to speed up, you know, going back to normal as soon as possible, start in December, play a 72 game season that ends in the summer and, um, you know, like go from there. But th- that's a really quick turnaround yeah. and a really short no, off season. And it, and it is. And a lot of people's, you know, their, you know, first reaction is going to be, Yo, let the players rest. They're not getting enough of, of an offseason. But then again, the players might be in favor of this because if if true, if uh, you know this plan does add $500 million in revenue to their maybe original plan or to the previous plan, then as a player, you might be inclined to say yes just because you don't want the salary cap to go isn't down. Isn't the salary cap already supposed to go down? Yeah, it uh from one, it was supposed to be at like one fifteen next season, I think, or like one nineteen, and now it's it's gonna stay the same at one oh nine. It's just like two years in a row with diminished revenues, definitely. Yeah, it's like not, as sustain. a player, it's like, come on now, like I, I know you need your rest, I I know you want that off season, but at the same time, like this is your own salary that we're talking about, so you might be incentivized to say yes. Mm. And this would not be a bubble, right? This is them no, trying to this would just travel. There, and there's no reports on that, but at, you know, knowing the players, what they've said coming out of the bubble, it would not be a bubble. And I mean, and seeing Sil- these other sports, yeah, Adam too. Silver said like he really doesn't want to do a bubble. Like, yeah, he doesn't want to have to do this whole thing again. Mm. So yeah, that would be very interesting. I- I'm wondering, um, there there probably would not be fans in the stands if you no. started this December. Um, I can't imagine that you'd be able to get them that quick. I don't think a vaccine... We'd be hearing about a vaccine that was supposed to come out in time for you to start in December. So that's not going to be the case. So you're going to have empty gyms, and then obviously you have the travel and stuff. Um, you're likely having to prepare for if there do, if there are some breakouts. You can't have a situation where it's like Rudy Gobert, and you shut the league down again. You have to be able to combat these things, which is going to be interesting considering that you're dealing with smaller rosters, right? When we talk about the MLB, when we talk about the NFL, that's a little bit easier when you're talking about, okay, we can live without a couple of guys. But NBA teams, you can't really do that on a night-to-night mm-hmm. basis. So um, December, it seems it would be difficult. I'll just leave it at that. But they are shortening the schedule to seventy-two, so you you can like 
not I guess they spread out the season to where you, you know they can knock off some games maybe or like there's enough days in between games because what they want to do is get back to the original track mm-hmm. is end in May and June again and then start again in October whenever they start mm-hmm. and what the also another thing they don't want to do the revenue that Christmas Day games get I mean Players have to understand the business too. Like that revenue is insane for the league. That's like by far, other than the finals, maybe their best days. You know, in terms of revenue, so that's important too. I just kind of wonder how players will really feel about it because there's only going to be a couple teams like the Lakers, the Heat, the Raptors, Celtics. I mean, the Rockets, maybe like those teams that got kind of deep in the playoffs that maybe feel like that this is too quick of a turnaround, but. I mean, most teams, like, if you didn't make the bubble, like, you got, if the season starts December, you got, like, four four or five months rest. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, if you're, if you're like, the Warriors, like, if you're Steph and Clay and Draymond, like, they basically you haven't played it. in a year. Yeah. Right? Like, this is perfect it's for perfect. them. It's perfect. So, I feel like, kind of, the, the reactions might be pretty mixed around the league, but it's really about, like, what the NBA wants to do. And if the NBA feels like it's best for the league to resume in, or not to resume, but to start in December, then I think they're probably going to do it. Um, and if for whatever reason they feel like they rather have fans in stands, that they want to guarantee that it's, like, safer, then maybe they'll push it back to March. But I think it, it definitely was surprising news, though. Um, I would have thought that they would have taken their time, you know, given people their rest, let everything you know settle itself out a little more but it seems like they just want to embrace you know the hecticness of it all so here's my question if they aren't able to pull this thing off by december do you shorten the season more do you shorten the regular season more in in an effort to get back to your regularly scheduled program or do you keep it pushing um with the 72 games and stay off schedule that would be my question and i I don't know why they want to, you know, get back on their original schedule so bad when I think I think the ideal schedule for the NBA would be starting on Christmas or, you know, a little bit before Christmas uh, so that they can like play through June and maybe a little bit of July when there are zero other sports competing against the NBA. Except baseball. Exactly. So their, their revenue would... You know, it'd be even higher. And I don't know why, you know, they prefer this model. Maybe because it's been ingrained within NBA players for so long. But I don't know. But to add on top of the turnaround, it would just be crazy if, you know, you get drafted as a rookie and like three weeks later or like two, you know, that I guess one week later, you'd have to report to camp. Right. You know, to get prepared. No summary. That's another thing I was wondering. So you're not... Looking at any sort of rookie development camp, you're kind of getting thrown straight into the fire, which could, you know, it honestly, could hinder new teams. It could hinder and, a guy you know, like Anthony Edwards, like Lamelo Ball. To, I mean, imagine, you know, in the world where Lamelo Ball ends up suiting up for the Knicks, you have no sort of um, preparation ahead of that. You get drafted to the Knicks, and you're suiting up in Madison Square Garden two weeks later. Um, with that franchise on your shoulders. That's a lot. That's a lot to ask of, of, of some of these dudes. So it, it'd be definitely be interesting to see how that would play out for the young guys. I do think, though, if the NBA does push their start back from this proposed December date, that I think, like, the baseline of games that they're okay with playing is, like, 60. Mm. And they're not going to go less than 60. Because, I, I mean, I feel like that's a good number. And 
Um, I mean, that wouldn't really even be a bad number to stick to going forward just because we know the 82-game schedule is, is one where players are looking to, you know, load, manage, and take games off and, you know, try to get that number to 60 anyways. Um, They're still going to load, manage, though. Probably. I, I feel like what, no no matter how many games you make the regular season, people, players are going to load, manage because it's sometimes – I. Not and this isn't even an indictment on the players. It's like you know, I think it's more of a competitive advantage than a necessity. But also, like cutting the games down by a quarter. If you go from eighty-two to sixty, that makes every single game matter. Important. I mean, if not matter, but like it makes it a lot more important. Mm-hmm. In that, I mean, I think I think players still believe that seeding still matters. That you know, not not everyone thinks that if they're like the sixth seed and they're good, they could just do what they would have done as a one seed. That you know, sometimes the positioning still matters. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. We'll see. This is still kind of all up in the air. Um, nothing has been set in stone yet. Um, there's only like a couple dates that are set. I think like the draft, right, in, in, in a couple weeks, in three weeks. And then, I mean, that's still crazy that like it'd be the draft and then like some sort of you training do, camp yeah, and everything and just, yeah. you know. I, I do want to point out that uh, there, I think there has to be uh, six weeks before, like, like players have to be able to return to like training camp or, or of some sorts, like six weeks, six to eight weeks, I think, before the actual season starts. So these decisions have to be made like quickly within the next week. Yeah. Type fast. So I, I mean, expect a lot of news to come out soon. Mm. It'll be crazy, but I mean, we'll see what happens. And if any news pops off, we'll obviously be here on Hoop and Holler to talk about it. Um, thanks as always for tuning into this episode. Be sure to check out our social media accounts at SQR1Hoops on Twitter and Instagram. We'll have content coming soon. And as always, I'm your host, Eddie Sun, joined by Julio Martinez and Reagan Griffin. Thanks for listening. This has been the Hoop and Holler podcast.